Why do restaurants suck so bad? Man, because let me tell you something. You have so many employees. There are so many people that you have to rely on for your success. So you look at like if you've got one restaurant and let's say you've got 20 people in there working for you. All 20 of those people need to be operating at high performance. Otherwise, you know, somebody come in and left the meat out and then they want to put it back in the refrigerator, you know, the next morning. Somebody, a couple of customers come in, they got food poisoning, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Somebody mopped the floor and didn't put the wet floor sign down. Now I got a lawsuit. I wasn't even in the restaurant. Why y'all <laughs> suing me? Sue them. You know what I'm saying? So, right. um, those are the type of things that you deal with in the restaurant industry. And it is a constant situation of repeating yourself and telling people what to do over and over. And um, the more, the the older I get, um, my <laughs> my patience is is about that thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's grace of God that I franchise because that's what I'm truly passionate about. I'm passionate about helping people open up their own business. I've been doing business consulting probably for the past 10 years. Mm. Um, so being able to do that under my brand, helping people open up their own business. And then I'm working with business owners. I'm yeah. working with other like-minded individuals. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's it's a nice situation when it comes to franchising. And I know you're helping people franchise, but do you recommend people get into the restaurant industry? And if you do, who's it for? certain people get into the restaurant industry. Me. And this is another reason why... Um, it's a little bit more stressful for me. It's because I have so many of them. So that's one thing, too, that I'm kind of wanting to consolidate. So my restaurant, Crave, I'm actually looking to, like I said, I own the building. So I'm looking to rent that out to a, a, a somebody that wants to run, operate their restaurant in there. So I can just focus on the Escobar brand. Because, like, for example, um, I'm really cool with Lynn, who owns Turkey Leg Cut. Y'all been to Turkey Leg yeah, Cut? Yeah, Houston. So, yeah. You know, they do 30 million, like, crazy numbers. Him and his wife, they do it together. They're super dope. <laughs> And, um, you know, they were telling us a couple nights ago, we were all hanging out and uh, they were just saying, you know, y'all, y'all expanded so quickly, you know, and they said that's like for us because they were looking at doing a location here in Atlanta right before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Pandemic happened. They decided to pull out of it, but they've only got that one location in Houston. And what they decide to do, they do pop ups when they want to, you know, expose their brand to other cities. But, you know, you get that one location and that's it. Man, if I just had that one Escobar downtown location. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so that's one thing people have to be, you know, careful about. But the perfect person to actually be a franchise owner of a restaurant, um, of course, you've got the financial requirements. But one is either somebody who has experience managing restaurants or owning restaurants or um you you're just kind of like a serial entrepreneur so like myself i always say i can have any type of business it doesn't mm -hmm. matter because i know business so mm -hmm. um, i've got one la young lady jessica who is doing the columbus ohio location she's never owned a restaurant before but she is just super sharp sharp mm -hmm. very a type personality she gets down to business mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. i'm saying so um i think she's gonna really really be good you know she isn't afraid to, you know, tell people what they're doing wrong, to give out constructive criticism in the right way. Mm -hmm. uh, because you also have to keep your temper in this industry because it's so easy to to want to cuss somebody out. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? You can't right, do that. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so that's that's some of the things that we're looking for when we're looking for our franchise owners. Gotcha. So yeah, so uh, myself and 2 Chains, so we met each other through um, real estate. So I had a spot 
uh, I ended up closing that spot about two years ago, but for five years, I had a spot called the Hookah Hideaway. Um, the Hookah Hideaway right. was a, that was when I first met you. Mm-hmm. So Hookah Hideaway was a super, super small spot, hole in the wall. Um, it was only about 1,100 square feet. I mean, to the point people would walk in there and they'd be like, is this it? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what I said. Because <laughs> here's what's crazy. Because I think, and I know exactly, because I, I only been there that one time. Yeah, one time. That was and, but I heard so much about it. I'm like, yo, I, I think I, I, like earlier that day, I was like, yo, uh, what can we do today? It was like a, I don't know, Wednesday or Thursday, something. And it was like, yo, Hookah Hideaway, go to Hookah Hideaway. So I heard about it before I got there. And I'm thinking it's about to be this lavish right. little lavish. I walk in like, it <laughs> it's about the size of this room. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're at a table. Yeah. The hookah lady's right here. The DJ's right behind me. <laughs> and yeah. there's like some other tables right there. I'm like, dang, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But you probably got busy out of that. Joint. Oh, my God, man. It, it's, it's what, one, it was how I met so many people here in mm-hmm. Atlanta because the hookah hideaway attracted so many different types of caliber of individuals, you know, politicians, um, professionals, um, hood niggas, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like everybody, you right. know what I mean, was at Hookah Hideaway. And so when I first got it, it was actually about half the size of this room. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. in my head, because I opened up my first spot when I was 24 in Nashville, and it was a complete bust. I was only open for like, 60 days, if that. Really? Yes. Lost everything I put into it. Terrible, terrible business partners. That's why I'm so um, conscious about the people that, that I decide to do business with. I've only had, um, after I did my newspaper, I've only had one business partner since then. Um, but anyways, so I got that spot and I said to myself, my rent at the time was $1,100 a month. Mm. Man, what? How, where can you open up a hookah lounge, a restaurant, yeah. et cetera, and only pay $1,100 a month? So in my head, I'm like, look, I can't lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't care how small it is. I'm going to make it work. Man, that place had probably, I think, eight tables in there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the very, very first one. And so I centered it around hookah because when I first moved to Atlanta, I noticed that everybody was smoking hookah. I hated it. I, I couldn't. I, I think I just don't know how to smoke it right. Still don't <laughs> smoke hookah to this day. Is hookah still as popular as it was? Oh, very. So, yeah. So anyway, so um, got that spot and that spot ended up going up. We ended up realizing that our lane was going to be after hours. So I was able to get the the other little spot next door to me, bust the wall down, made it just a little bit larger. And then we started putting a bunch of tables and chairs like um, outside on the sidewalk and just kind of mm-hmm. made that like a makeshift patio. And you didn't own this building, no? I did not own okay. this building, no. I was leasing. I had a five-year lease, and that's why at the end of the five years, I decided to close it. Right. Um, so anyways, while I was doing that, Hookah Hideaway ended up becoming wildly successful. And just like anybody, when you do something and you're successful, okay, let's duplicate this. Let's take the systems that I put in place and let's duplicate this <laughs> and do this again. Right. So I ended up um, wanting to look for a location to do another restaurant lounge here yeah. in Atlanta. And so when I first moved here, I used to be on Peter Street a lot. Yeah. And coming from, I grew up in Detroit, but uh, moved to Nashville in my younger days. And so coming from a city like Nashville, where you don't have a lot of Black-owned businesses, um, I was very inspired by a street like Peter Street that had all of these lounges. like yeah. Just random lounges, Black people walking around. Back to back. Yeah, that was like mm-hmm. when Embar was over there and mm-hmm. Spin and all of those places. So I was like, man, I want to own something on that street. Mm-hmm. So hooked up with a realtor 
And um, I was looking for something over there. And at the time, they really didn't want any more lounges over there. Um, I actually know Alfonso, Alfonso, who owns a lot of the real estate on that street. And so I had put in an application for something. Um, ended, they ended up denying me because they didn't want another lounge over there. But my realtor knew a realtor that works with two chains mm-hmm. and who also is like one of his business managers as well. Her name is Indian. So she, they ended up, he ended up telling her, yeah, I got a girl who wants to do something over there. She owns a spot called the Hookah Hideaway. And he was like, yeah, I've heard of Hookah Hideaway. And she's like, well, you know, Chains has a building um, that's over there that he's owned for like four years. Really? That's just sitting there vacant, you know? And, you know, so let me talk to him about it. And crazy enough, I had took a trip to Jamaica right before I had put in the application for that building, right? And so while I was over in Jamaica, on my way back, coming through customs, I get arrested. I get what? arrested. Yeah. So I had I used to have a newspaper company before I moved here. And the before guy, or after the, the 60 day restaurant situation? Bef- after. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. This was my next thing that I got into after the 60 day, 60 day restaurant. You got a story on you. Goodness oh gracious. Oh my God, man. So so I had this newspaper company. The guy that was helping me out, white guy, ends up kind of stealing the company right up under my nose. That's a whole nother story. But long story short, the last check that I had wrote to the publishing company ended up bouncing. At the mm. time, I could not cover this check. There was nothing I could do about it. Little did I know they filed a warrant out against me. <sighs> now, this this warrant has been out for like five years. I know nothing about it. So I go out of the country to Jamaica. I'm coming back, going through customs. They come up to me. And they're like, oh, are you Michelle Dillard? I say, oh, that's me. <laughs> they're like, um, come on, we need you to come with us. So they take me to the back. They're like, you know, did you know that you had a warrant in Rutherford County uh, in Nashville, Tennessee? And I said, well, no. I said, but I did used to live in Nashville, Tennessee. And they said, well, you know, this is a warrant. It's actually a felony charge um, for writing worthless, a, a worthless check because the amount was like, I think, for, for it to be a felony, the amount had to be over $5,000. The amount was like $5,035. Oh, my goodness. Um, they said, you know, so we're going to contact them and see if they want you. We're going to have to hold you here at Clayton County Jail. Mm. And now, mind you, I'm owning Hookah Hideaway and everything at the time. I'm, you know, successful. I'm, Man, you know, take this $5,300. I, you know, <laughs> feel like I've gotten passed, you know, mm. all of the, the old BS and all of that stuff. And so anyway, so they, they put me in jail. Um, and they, they tell me, you know, we're going to see if they want you. They said they do want you. So they're going to extradite you back to Nashville. I'm like, extradite? What is this? I'm, it's like, I'm like a real damn criminal. You know what I'm saying? So, wow. um, I actually ended up sitting in jail for two weeks, but while I was in jail, I called one of my really good friends, DJ A1. Um, he had like my phone and everything mm. at the time. And so, um, he was checking my messages and he said, well, you got a message from that realtor, you know, that, that you're working with mm. for the, the location. I said, you know, well, call him on three-way. I was having a really rough day in there that day. You know what I mean? I'm like, call him on three-way for me. Let me see, you know, what's going on. I'm thinking in my head, let me try to get some good news, lift my spirits mm. up. So he calls him and he's like, you know, um, I'm talking to the realtor. And he said, you know, he said, well, you didn't get that location. He said, but there's another opportunity that you might be interested in. He said, it's, it's much further down the street. You know, I, I never get the prime location. <laughs> like, it's down the street around the corner. <laughs> but he's like, it's much further down the street. He said, but it's owned by a, a well-known rapper that's from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's heard of you and he wants to do business with you. Because I also used to have a party bus company. So he heard of my Dang. party bus company. It's called Party Serial. Bus Kings. 
And so um, he said, you know, he's he's hurting you. He wants to do business with you. And I'll, I'll never forget this moment. And uh, I said, I said, well, you know, who is it? Because, you know, just well-known rappers, some of them, you know, ain't got a lot of good business right. sense now, to be honest. And I said, who is it? He said, it's 2 Chains." And I said, huh. I said, I could work with 2 Chains." For sure. It seemed cool. <laughs> and I remember after that phone call, man, I was skipping up to my little sale. Like, <laughs> I, I told my little, my little salesman at the time, I was like, I'm about to open up a restaurant with 2 Chains." Now, at the time, I truly did not necessarily 100% believe that this was going to come true and mm. truly, truly happen. Cool jail story, though. You know, so yeah, they ended up coming and picking <laughs> me up like three days later, took me back to Nashville, dropped the charges as soon as I get there. What? It's like, what? What is this? Y'all been playing <laughs> with me for two weeks? Oh, my goodness. Dropped the charges completely. As soon as I get there, I get out. I immediately come back to Atlanta that day. And the very next day, I meet with 2 Chains and his realtor wow. at the Hookah Hideaway. Wow. <laughs> and I remember like the night before, it's tossing and turning. And like, I'm not like a starstruck person at all, period. But I knew that if this situation ended up being what it has become today, that it would truly change my life, yeah. you know? So, and the meeting went extremely well. I was nervous. I'm like, man, you know, he's like, you said you've been to Hookah Hideaway. Yeah. I'm like, man, he might think like, oh, this little place, this ain't that, yeah. you know? She ain't gonna be able to run a real restaurant, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. So, but he came in there, we clicked like immediately. Like wow. we have like a brother-sister relationship. He's an only child, so he's never had any siblings. And so um I ended up, I said, I'm just gonna show him the numbers. I showed him the numbers. We were doing some amazing numbers. What were you doing months. at the, at we that time? Doing about, we were doing about forty five thousand a week, you know. Out of hookah that, hideaway? Out of hookah hideaway, baby. Them chairs on their patio, they they made up for some What? <laughs> yes. Yes, yep. So um We didn't make a little hideaway. Franchise. We get mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. forty five thousand out of eleven hundred square feet. Out of eleven hundred square feet, man. And what were we selling? Hookah, alcohol, hookah, alcohol, and food. But the kitchen, child, we was using deep fryers, and you know, we was just, you know, we was making it work, you know. But that they busted some of the best bar food out For of sure. the kitchen at the hideaway. And then I had brought a concept here that is now becoming wildly popular. But back in Nashville, they had Nashville hot chicken. Mm -hmm. So, oh, um, you brought that today. So yeah, so I had. I had Skinny's hot chicken mm. on the menu. And so we did like the leg quarters and stuff like that, you know, with the hot seasoning sauce. On I do side. remember them wings took a long time to come. They did. They did. Yep. I remember, I remember I, that I, for I, sure. Deep fry on, on the counter, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, so that was how I met 2 Chains. Um, mm. Immediately after that, he took me over to the space on Peter Street. Mm. Um, it, it, it would end up taking us two years to get that place open. Wow. Yes, Permits that's the longest it's ever uh, yeah. took me to open up a restaurant. It took us two years to get that place open. They did not want us on the block. Um, our Caucasian friends over there did not want us on the block at mm. all. They tried to block us from getting our liquor license. I remember I cried when them people granted me when they said approved. Wow. Uh, like so many people from the neighborhood had came. They were just like, they had never seen anything like that before. Mm. And mm. They were just like the the board, the LBR board were just like, we have got to give this girl a chance just because so many of y'all are against her. Yeah. 
And so um, they approved it. And I mean, it's been history ever since, you know. Amazing. So, yeah, it's a extremely successful location we've been open for. We'll be celebrating our six-year anniversary this December 8th. So So we got a brand new, uh, I've never actually interviewed anyone who does y'all business models. So I'll let y'all introduce yourselves and kind of share your Cool. Okay, well, I'm Patrice McKinney. I go by Sway Pro on social media. Um, founder and owner of Encore Salon Suites. So basically, it's the newest concept in the hair and beauty industry. So we take like a large commercial space, break it into, into smaller spaces, and then we lease it out to different beauty professionals. So that can be like a hairstylist, a barber, lash tech, anyone in the hair, beauty, and spa industry. And so what it does is allow them the opportunity to independently own their business, like without all the overhead. Like we truly are just like landlords. So we lease out space, it's probably like 95 to 120 square feet. Uh, we allow them to come in and decorate it. They have a business license and we literally just collect rent once the um, suites are full. So Dang, it works so for the owner and for the, the beauty professionals because they really, everybody wants to be a boss. Everybody wants to be a business owner. So they get to truly just take full control of their business. So. It's almost like, why didn't I think about that? No, <laughs> build it, break it down and... no seriously. Better than yep. real estate. Yep. I tell people all the time, we take space the size of like a bathroom, literally of 95 to 110 square feet. And generate like a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars off of just that one suite. So we put sixteen, twenty, twenty-five in one building. Salon real estate. That's crazy. So this, th- th- really, this concept is just genius. It really is because one, I think you're on the front of the trend of entrepreneurship. Exactly. Right? Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Nobody wants to work for nobody else. No, even yeah. in the barber space, right? Yeah. My, my really. barber actually just left because his the owner. They just didn't, they didn't come long, yeah, they didn't agree. And they take so much money out of your check. They do. Yeah. Especially if it's like commission. Yeah. Or booth rent. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So the first building, mm-hmm. tell me the process of acquiring the first building. Okay. Um, I literally saved every little penny I had. I think I borrowed some money from you and right. one of your friends <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it because I had a partner, right? And the partner bailed out on me like literally after we signed the lease. And I'm mm. like, really? We signed the lease? Um, but I just kept pushing and... and, and How much was it. the lease? The lease for the down payment was like... Oh, what, what you mean? The, the term or the... How much was the... the yeah, how much was the... Li- both. We had to put down, I think, like eight grand. Put down yeah. eight grand. And then, you know, we, of, course, of course, we had to pay for the build-out. The build-out for that first location was around like 70000 75000 mm. Because what it is was we found um, a location that was an old medical office. Mm. And so these are good buildings to actually transition into a salon suite yeah. because they already have the rooms. They have the electrical, the plumbing. And they usually put a lot of money into their build out. So for the most part, we just got to flip the floor and paint and stuff like that. Yeah. So that location, that build out didn't cost that much. Um, so I was cutting at the location that I was at a partner with, um, which is in uh, Buckhead or something like that. No, Midtown. I was a partner there, so I was cutting. But on the back end, I was trying to save up and get ready to do my own thing. Gotcha. Um, I had a decent <laughs> amount of money. I want to say I had, I want to say I had like 50 or 60. So I was like, okay, cool. I can jump out there. I'll mm. figure out the rest. So you're um, cutting for you. You saved up 50, 60,000. Yeah, I did. Gotcha. I did. Gotcha. I was really just dedicated to just going to the next level. Like I was not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't buying stuff. I was sitting at home. I wasn't going out, nothing. Really just trying to just, you know, mm-hmm. dedicate myself to that. Um, so found a realtor. We actually saw this location first. Went and saw like maybe other t- 20 other locations because everybody was like, well, you know, it's by um, Bankhead and you buy the hood and you mm. shouldn't get that that location. So I kind of um, steered away from it, but then end up coming back to it. And I was like, nah, I just see something in this location. Get in the location. That location is our number one location. We have like a hundred people on the waiting list. 
Dang. Super stays high demand. Full. Exactly. What? It stays full. How many mm-hmm. units is it? That one only has 16. So that has 16 units. It was $8,000 lease. You had to put about 75000 into it. How much is the rent? Rent was 30. Rent is 3700 That ain't bad. That ain't bad at all. You do 16 suites now. So a single suite is two fifty, but if you do like a double suite, you can get like three fifty, three seventy five a week. So a double suite, we're talking maybe one hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty to one hundred and eighty square feet for a double gotcha. suite. So, so how much does the first building gross? Gross is two hundred and twenty five thousand. Word. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, what's that like sixteen thousand a month? Yep, something like that. <laughs> Okay. And the no, rent is thirty seven hundred. Correct. Expenses. We net basically we net on that location with sixteen suites. We net like one fifty, one fifty, one sixty. Really? Yeah. And again, truly semi absentee because of how we do it. Because yeah. we know other owners that are there every day and just stressing every day, and they just make it. When so you're there, what do you got to do if everybody got their own? Beg units? people for money. Tell people not to do this, to right, do that, true. just get all in their business. And we just try to do a good job with making sure we try to find qualified professionals, mm. which for the most part is somebody that already has clientele. Yeah. Like we don't allow people that don't have clientele to come into the salon suites because we believe you you need to build your clientele. Yeah. Salon suites don't really have walk-ins. It's not like your traditional salon or sure. barbershop where people are coming in. And so you really need to have your clientele in place before you come. So mm. we don't just take anybody's money. We make sure they're a good fit for us. Got it. So we won't have to deal with it later on. And we treat it just like an apartment complex. Like you sign a lease, you need to copy your ID, all your st- all that stuff. So let me jump into these salon suites. Cause I actually had a conversation with um with some twins that do salon suites and I was and I never heard of the concept, but it seemed like the easiest thing you could do. Because oh it's the easiest thing in the world. All right, so so walk me through when you get the idea for the salon suites. Mm-hmm. So basically, I got the idea for the salon suites because I go and get my hair done once a week. I mm-hmm. can't do anything to my own hair. I don't even wash my own hair. Mm-hmm. So I was realizing that something transitioned from um, I'm now going to salon suites instead of salons. Mm-hmm. So the people, the stylists that are doing my hair they're located in salon suites. So I'm looking around and there were maybe at the time a very small amount of them here in Atlanta, especially black owned. And so I just kind of started doing my research and visiting salon suites. And I said, you know what? I said, this would be great for me because this is good daytime money. Mm-hmm. This is not something, even though you allow your stylists and your tenants to have 24 a- access, most mm-hmm. of them are not really going to work yeah. late at night. So um, I was looking for something else to invest in that would be good daytime money, mm-hmm. that would not be a headache, and that would be passive. And um, essentially, what you do is you find a space. Um, the better spaces uh, that will cost like um, less startup costs are going to be like, dentist's office, doctor's office, Mm -hmm. spaces that where you've got these rooms that are already kind of built out. Yeah. Um, Buy them or rent rent them. Totally up to you. So, of course, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you, your first one, did you buy it? My first one, I rented. You rented. Mm -hmm. And give me the specs on it. How big was the building? You know, I like to start with a space that's at least 2,500 square feet. That's your starting point. Okay. My first space was th- about 3,100 square feet. How many rooms? It was right downtown. I've got 22 suites in that one. 
stays rented. How much was your rent? My rent is $53.26 a month. And so this is this is the rollout of it. You want to be at one week of rents should pay for all of your expenses. It should pay for your rent or your mortgage on the space. It should pay for your utilities and your insurance. Got it. Okay. Um, and if you're going to have somebody there, as there's a way that you can automate the business with apps and things of that nature where they can pay their rental app on, a, on the app, maintenance requests, your leases, all of that stuff. Uh, for me, since I plan on never walking into my salon suites at all, <laughs> I have um, I have two people that run my four salon suites. One is my wife. Um, another one is um, an older lady. Shout out to Miss Jackie. She's so extremely helpful for me. But mm. she's been working with, with us for about two years. And they they take care of making sure that the suites are leased out, um, that the cleaning people come and, you know, that. I was going to say stock with, but there's nothing to be stocked with because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're renting these suites to business owners. Yeah. So these people, they don't work for you. They're not employees. They're business owners. They come in, they do what they got to do. They pay their rent on Friday. And that's that. So one week out of, out of the four weeks of the month, one week pays for all of your expenses. The other three weeks are yours. So how many, how many suites in it? 22. So 22. My, my location downtown, I've got 22 suites. And how much do you charge per suite? You know, it just depends on the size of the suite and what comes in it. Okay. So the best suites are the ones with windows. Um, you've got, so all of my salon suite businesses have like the, the communal area. How many suites you got? I've got four. Word. Mm-hmm. You got four restaurants and four salon suites? Yep. The salon suites, are they all in, in Atlanta? All of my locations are in Atlanta. Um, I'm looking to do one more here. And then after that, I'm going to expand outside because I'm starting to sell so many franchises, mm-hmm. especially the people that live here in Atlanta. So I don't want to take all the good locations for myself. So you're franchising a salon suite too? Yes, I've sold three so far. Mm-hmm. You out here. And I'm trying. You're not, you getting it done. <laughs> Golly. Okay. So 22. Mm-hmm. 22 in one location. In one location. Mm-hmm. I want to do a monster one where it's like 40 sweets. my phone? I need some, I need the math to be mathing. Right. So I would say the average that you can rent uh, each suite for probably about 275 a week. I've got some suites that are double suites that I rent for 400, some that I rent for 350. Um, some that I rent for 200, you know, so about 275 to $300 a week is what you can lease these suites for. So it's about 6,600 a week times four. We got a month and sometimes it's like 30 days, which is more than 28, yep. four weeks. Yep. So this is, the thing. this is the thing. So what I make off of one salon suite, I can make in one week in a restaurant. Okay, so that's why people want to do the restaurants. That's where the real big money is. Mm -hmm. However, if you want just no headache, something that's easy, okay, if I got to do two or three of these to equal one restaurant, I'd rather do that because I never have to walk into these. Mm -hmm. Nobody, I've never, nobody has ever tried to sue me with these salon suites. Whatever happened in their little space, that's on them. They got their Mm -hmm. own insurance, their own business license. I'm only responsible for the the little common areas, which is the hallway yeah. and the one little reception area. You know what I mean? So it's it's a no-brainer. And then there's other things that you can sell in there to make money. All of mine have like a beauty store in there. So 
You know, y'all need something, y'all buy it right here, you know, Ooh. from me. Um, Who runs then, that store? The receptionist. Okay. Oh, so the receptionist. Yep. But what I'm, okay. what I'm about to start doing is vending machines, putting the products in the vending machine. And then it, so it's even more passive. I'm very interested. Storage units. Because mm-hmm. it just seems like a never-ending cycle of money. I ha- I have... Actually, right now I have two storage units. Okay. And someone asked me the other day, they said, Yeah, you got two storage units? I said, Yeah. yeah. And they're like, Why? And I couldn't give them a good answer. Because I needed another one for like another purpose. Because the first one's full, but the first one isn't full anymore. And I just got two, but I don't know, man. Well, welcome to the show, man. So I, introduce yourself. And we're going to get into it, bro. Yes, sir. So my name is Ramel New Worlds, 30 years old, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. You're 30? 30, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Commercial real estate investor, credit coach. I teach, train, and mentor real estate professionals how to go out there and purchase self-storage facilities. But I teach them how to do it with creative, no-money-down strategies. Really? Okay. Yes. So uh, how many storage units you got? I got three facilities. You over, have three oh, facilities? Three facilities, over 300 units. And how much do you charge per unit? It varies, right? It's like an apartment building. So you got one bedrooms, two bedrooms, everything yeah. will vary. So five by 10, 10 by 20, every unit varies based upon that size. And then obviously the market. So what I could charge in Pennsylvania versus Tennessee would be different. Hold on. Where are your storage units at? Pennsylvania, I got one. Tennessee. And then I just bought one in Arkansas. Really? Right. Where you live? I live in New York. You don't live in none of the states that's just... You, Negative. See, if I was going to get a storage unit, it'd have to be in Georgia because I need to go see it and touch it. Well, I guess I got, I got real estate. Don't have to, but I'm going to break down the game on why you don't have to live it. Plus, New York is expensive. So the price that I'll pay in Pennsylvania or Tennessee, Arkansas, in New York is going to cost me triple that. It's just like any real estate asset. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. 
How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal gotcha so where at in pennsylvania is your storage unit fayetteville fayetteville how many units are there 88 you bought the storage unit existing facility purchased it how much? Seven hundred fifty thousand. Seven hundred fifty thousand, and how many units again? Eighty-eight. Eighty-eight units. What's the average price per unit? Ninety bucks. So ten by ten, we rent it out per for month. Yeah. Running numbers. We in his pockets, Reese. Ninety <laughs> yeah. times eight. So ninety yeah. times ninety. That's what like eighteen thousand. About a roundabout. Yeah, 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 it varies because we got, like I said, we got five by fives, then we got 10 by 20. So that's the average middle number based upon how many, you know, how many we rent out. What's your worst performing? That is my worst performing. That was my first one. That's my worst performing one, but I learned the most from that. Because I just jumped in and I realized that I overpaid a little bit, but on my other two facilities, I, I got I got it back. Okay. Yeah. 750,000 in Pennsylvania. What about Arkansas? Arkansas, 650,000. 650,000, how many units? 109. 109, and how much per average? That's or what's the range? Lowest so from, from $79 up until about $215. Okay, and you said you just purchased a third one. So the Arkansas one, I, I, that's my most recent one. Okay. I just purchased that in July. And you have another one in, in Tennessee. Tennessee. Correct. How much? I that was seller financing, so that was not hundred thousand. But I did I did the seller financing play. How many units? That's hundred and three units. Okay, walk me through the the seller financing. Walk me through that deal. So all right, so with the seller financing with Tennessee, this seller he owned a bunch of like storage facilities, apartment buildings. He wanted to get out the game. Mm-hmm. He was just like, yo, I'm tired, COVID, chasing people. I don't want to get into that. So that's what we target. We like to target people that. Been in the business 20, 30 years, got a lot of equity, don't have no mortgage. They own it free and clear. So I positioned it to him and say, listen, you know, if I go to the bank, it's going to take me about 90 days to close, right? I'm going to do the SBA loan, 90 days could close. I could close in 30 days. Let's do the seller financing. All I got to do is come to the table. 
with five to ten percent, right? If I come to the table with five percent, would you be able to let me in here? I'll still pay you. So we did the um, we did the nine hundred thousand. That's how much what it was. So how much did he want down? He wanted seventy thousand dollars down. Seventy thousand down. Seventy thousand okay. dollars. So I gave him seventy thousand dollars down, and now I got a note that I'm paying him right now three thousand. How long is the three thousand dollars? Three thousand. Yep. Three thousand dollars. Yep. Okay. It's so, interest only. So I gotta pay him three years from now. Balloon. So it's commercial real estate. So you know with you, with this space that you purchase, the more revenue I could drive out of the facility, the more the value of that facility is gonna go up. Yep. So I'm not focused on like the time frame. I'm focused on how fast can I increase rents. So I'm looking at every facility in the area. What are they charging for the rates? How could I bring that rent up? 50 bucks, 30 bucks. What can I do? I threw some vending machines on the facility as well. So now I got money coming in from the vending machines. Mm. I actually partnered with U-Haul. So U-Haul, we run in the transportation service. They give me 30% profit. So I'm just adding. Whoa, whoa. What? 30% commission. On what? On whatever they generate from the um, U-Haul service. What's the U-Haul service though? What is it? So they rent out the trucks. Yep. So anybody that's moving in and out of the units, they need a truck. We are gonna rent it out. Movers. So you provide. put do you put trucks on your your? So, so there's U-Haul trucks there. U-Haul sits on the facility. We have an office and we have one person that U-Haul pays. I don't pay them. U-Haul pay them. They sit in the office and they manage the U-Haul portion of the business. And U-Haul just cuts me thirty percent commissions off of whatever they generate. I don't. Mm. I, I let you handle that. I just give my money because I'm providing the the space and the, and the service. And this is how long you had this one, this facility. I bought this last year, May. What do you think the U-Haul portion brings in? Oh, that's bringing in over hundred k a month. I, I, I get permission checks anywhere. What? Any for anywhere from twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month commissions. So, so you make twenty to thirty thousand a month just by having U-Haul. On the facility. Correct. And I don't even have to manage that part of the business. Because it's U-Haul. Because it's U-Haul. They have their own operations. They do their own thing. I just provide the space for it. All right. Crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm trying to That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So the the um the the units, what percentage are you booked or rented out? So um I'll, I'll tell you each facility. No, just this, just this one. Just this one. Oh, for this one? Yeah. I'm at 85%, 90% occupancy right now. But I like to keep it that way. Why? Because it's it's power in, like, keeping a waiting list, having turnover. If I fully rent out the unit, then it's tough for me to actually increase my prices because that person is stuck in that unit. So the right. more people I get to come in as new clients, I can always increase my rent because it's a, it's a new client coming in. New tenant coming in. You got the game figured out, bro. You got the game figured out. When do you plan on paying off? Do you plan on paying it off or do you plan on refinancing? Oh, yeah, I, I plan on refinancing. Got you. Cash out refinance. When? That's my plan. Three. As soon as you can or you, you, you're trying to bump up as close to the three years as possible? I'm going I'm to get as close to that three years as possible and then increase the value as much as possible by that time and then I'll refinance. So I shouldn't have paid this building off? I should have waited? Well, no, that's good. I'm glad you paid it off. The only thing is, I mean, that $3,000 a month, I mean, I guess compared to what you're paying right now, it doesn't really, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt too much. But the $3,000 a month, the only reason I did is because I, 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 I had the cash. Okay. And the cash is just going to sit there. 
And if I just pay off the building, then I get to save $3,000 a month in interest. So that's really. So you pay the building off cash? Or you, yeah. Oh, me, I would, me personally, I wouldn't. Me personally, I wouldn't do that. Because why would I have my cash sitting in the building? I'd rather take my cash and go buy another asset. I don't like having cash, bro. But you take the cash and go buy another building. True. Or put but, in another business. But if I was going to get another building, I'll just refinance this, get the cash out, and buy another building. That's but true. I just don't want it to sit there. That's true. That's you true. know what I mean? I just don't. That's true. I think I said That's too true. much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my wife knows. You know what I mean? I just try to keep. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. So I get what you're saying. Um, but anything could happen in the time where you're getting closer to the three years where the bank is moving slow or they, you know, stop lending for some reason. And then the person who owns the building that was playing the bank right now, all the $3,000 for those three years, which is 36,000 times three years, like a hundred thousand dollars plus your original 70,000. You just gave them 170 and they take the building back. And all the improvements and stuff like that, they own it. That's dangerous, ain't yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's the risk. That's the come with the game. But why not just try to refinance as soon as possible? Because I want to make sure when I do refinance, I'm going to pull out the most cash. If I go and refinance now, my revenue is not at the most capacity that I know I could get it to. Mm-hmm. So, again, with commercial real estate, the value of your facility or apartment building, whatever you purchase, it goes up the more revenue you generate. So as I continue increasing rents, adding more value, my revenue is going to go up. My value of my building is going to go up. Now when I refinance, I would have pulled out probably $300,000 cash out to my pocket. But if I wait, I could probably pull out some more. Mm. So you'll pull out the $300,000. Mm-hmm. You'll still have a note, which is going to be comparable to what you're paying. Now, now it'll probably be more when you refinance. More. Yeah. More. But still, more. you, but I, I mean. I have that money back. I can go reinvest in the actual asset will pay for itself. Yeah, you all's paying all the bills, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, so. So why these particular places, Arkansas, Tennessee, you said, right? Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Why these particular, we can't get none in Atlanta? Because uh, it's, it's like real estate anywhere you go. So if you buy something in the middle of Atlanta, the price is going to be higher versus if you go to Alabama. Right. So true. It's just about me knowing where I could get the most bang for my buck. That's number one. Number two, I like to buy areas that's more, I say, like rural, rural areas, suburban areas. Right. Um, and I want to see whatever the market is growing. So think about 2020. A lot of people start moving out of the city. Like New York, everybody was getting out of there. Cali, mm-hmm. everybody's getting out. They're going to Vegas, New York, they're going to Pennsylvania. A lot of people going to Florida. So I want to be where the population is growing, not where the population is going down. So a lot of people in New York, they moved to Pennsylvania. There was a 13% population increase in Pennsylvania alone in 2020. Mm. So if everybody's moving, guess what? They use a storage unit because they're moving in and out. They're relocating. So now they need my services. Arkansas. Arkansas was one of the top five cities in 2020 that people moved to. Mm. So that's really why I picked my pockets because wherever people are moving to, that's why I want to get ahead of it. How long were you at that location in Dunwoody? Um, four and a half years. Four and a half years? Yeah. And what's the agreement? 
All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. and it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. With the gas, did you like work with the gas station owner and they just let you so, post up? I actually told him, I said, because I couldn't get nobody in Atlanta to rent me a space because I had no business experience. Literally, I had all this money. And I remember about the, I was about to sign a lease um, and a lady, I gave her every single bank account I had balance. I gave her everything I had in my name. I even gave her my car titles. And soon I was about to go to sign the lease. She said, um, me and my husband, we decided to go another route. Mm. 
And it broke my heart, man. Like I'm like, are you putting this together? Like, yo, I'm in the south. These people racist. Yeah. I'm so afraid. now that's what my that's now that's what society trying to tell me. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I came here to change my life, and it's not giving me that opportunity. But then I go on LoopNet. A friend of mine tell me about LoopNet, right? Again, in Philly, I don't know LoopNet. I don't know what legal Zoom. I don't yeah. know what none of that stuff is. I don't know nothing about LLC. None of that. I just know streets. <laughs> but I always knew I was a hustler because I was in the streets. Because yeah. I tell people it's no difference, and I'm gonna say this, and I don't want nobody to. I mean, you don't shouldn't be breaking the law, but there's no difference between selling drugs and business but paying taxes. Yeah. You got to pay your workers. You got to take care of your team. Everything is the same, yeah. except for you going to jail the other way. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you can go to jail of, this way, too. Yeah, keep and up, this way, keep too. Keep with the taxes. Yeah, but that taught me so much. But again, um, I went to this Indian guy. He had this space. He wanted uh, $1,500 a month. And I told him, I said, listen, I'll pay you six months up front right now. I got the money. You ain't got to worry about nothing. And he let me, you know, into that space. And do you know, I went from making zero dollars my whole year. Eve came one day, right? Um, the rapper Eve. Eve. Oh, Eve. Okay. And I was dead broke, man. I'm talking about, I don't even think I had a thousand dollars in the bank. This account. is why you had the truck. No, this is before the before truck. Before the truck, got you. Yeah. So this is just the gas station. Yeah. So imagine right now. You just had all this money. Hold on, I'm sorry. You were in the gas station? I thought you had a gas station. I thought you had a truck. No, no, no. I got the, the gas a station. lot of people think that. No, I had the gas station first. So, oh, so where sometimes you go to a gas station and they got them uh them weird looking like hot dogs and stuff on the joint. You yeah, had so a little spot over there. I'm next door. No, you're right. So listen, I'm next door, but I told them, listen, the wall is up. So we ain't looking like we're in the gas station. <laughs> we're just beside the gas station. So I put this fireproof wall up, right? Mm -hmm. So it cost like ten grand to put this this fireproof wall up. So the concept is is switched. Mm -hmm. But I go all this time now, I'm thinking, you know, once I put these cheat steaks in here, things about to be booming. Yeah. I ain't making no money, man. I'm talking about, I'm driving um, like a $100,000 car and I got a donut on it and I can't change the tire because if I pay that $350, $400, I ain't going to be able to buy some food or one of my employees ain't getting paid Friday. Goodness gracious. So I spent the whole year. When I tell you I got it out the mud, bro, I got it out the mud. Like a lot of people think I built this off of my, my, my personal injury or whatever I came here with money. I was broke. I built this off the hustle. Yeah. Listen, you looking at somebody that, that blew over segment for seven figures and literally started in the gas station and came out the mud to where you at right now, to making the Forbes top 1,000, yeah. to being on the front cover of Essence and all these things. All this happened about me never giving up on my dream. For Again, sure. Philly, ego. We built on ego. There's no way I'm going back home so you can call me the donkey of the day <laughs> or he had the opportunity and blew it. And most of all, I would have never fell in with my dad's name on it. Yeah. You know, that's what people don't understand. Like, I looked at investors who told me, ah, I passed right now. I'd be like, y'all have no idea. Y'all got a kid who hungry for success because of his father. Not because he want to make money, because he won't die. He going to live through this. And a lot of these people right now try to bust U-turns and come back. It's too late because I got more than them now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the, and that's the flex. When yeah. somebody was supposed to invest in you and now you worth more than them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the real flex. That's lit. All right, so you was about to tell a story. Oh, yeah, so, 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 yeah, so um, to get in this story, so I get this gas station location going, right? And I'm making this chicken cheesesteak with my life depending on that. I got no money, but Eve is here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's the bank right there. That's yeah. my bank account. I need her to post this on social media outlets. Did you know her? No. 
Yeah. I didn't know her. All I knew is um I knew a, I knew I knew a friend of hers. Mm-hmm. So I got an alley oop to get her there. Um and what she told me was, so imagine right now all the people in this room and you telling them, Y'all ain't eating this food until I taste it so I can stamp it. So while mm-hmm. I got my back turned while I'm chopping this this chicken up to make this chicken cheesesteak, I'm like, you know what? If I fell now, I fell because there's no other resource. I can't. I have no more gas in the tank. I have nothing else to fight. I have no money. You know what I'm saying? No nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. And when she bit that sandwich, she went crazy. She let me put it on every social media network wow. she had. I had a line the next day out the parking lot. Really? And from that day on, it's just been building. 2018, Georgia selected me to represent the company, I mean, a whole state in a competition where I ranked top 10 in the world in sandwiches. And Orange really? Beach, Alabama, being a black man in Alabama, really like probably the, probably two black people in that whole competition. And I got disqualified in the last round for not submitting my recipe. So you know who would have won. Mm. But I take my top 10 because, you know, it. You know, sometimes in life, number one is just about uh, a title. It's about being in the game. And yeah. I was in the game. Yeah. And I took it to top 10 against a lot of chefs. And I did it on a barbecue grill. So imagine you come into a tournament to cook. And you thinking you have a flat top, which you cook on, and right. they don't have that. They just have barbecue grills. So I had to go to Walmart and get a um, skillet and sit on it like a plate and cook through my disadvantages. Yeah. And I still got there. I gave, I gave Bo Jackson a Dave's way, and it was history. <laughs> <laughs> yo, that, yo, this is an incredible story, bro. It's like a, it really is stealing people's excuses. And if you right notice, now. if you notice, I don't even share a lot of my story because I wanted people to love to work. Yeah, I could get up there and talk on every podcast I want to right now and tell them everything I've been through, but y'all gonna see what I've been through through my work. Yeah. I used to get up there every single morning while I'm chopping steaks and I do videos. I show people my me cooking, not yeah. nobody hired. I didn't start hiring people till I got enough money to hire people. I was in that restaurant seven days a week for five and a half years myself, mm. grinding, doing the getting up at four in the morning, doing my prep, rolling the egg rolls, all that myself. So when people see the, the glamour now, just remember, I went through eight, almost nine years of my life every single day given to this dream. So, all right. So, so pretty much you are, you are the, the front runner of the person who's teaching people how to get their own restaurant or build their own consumer so, so think of the mobile food industry, mm-hmm. like the food truck industry, right? So I'm that, that barbecue guy that you see on the top of the side of the road. Cause we ain't even talk about the grills and all that. How I got end up getting all those grills and all that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm teaching. How many grills you got right now? I had about fifteen grills. Like, Are you saying the, it's fifteen separate trucks like, with grills or different styles and sizes? Like, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Because hold people, on, I'm sorry. Where where are these fifteen grills? So I got sitting at my barbecue spot right now. I got a. I'm gonna describe them to you. I got a big barbecue trailer that I had built with a full kitchen, a huge massive trailer on it. That's one. Then I have. I have a one trailer contraption. I actually bought it down to Atlanta a couple uh, last month. I got five grills built on that, three chicken cookers and two pig roasters. Mm. Right, so that's five built on one trailer. Then I have this Lang that Lang is built out of Georgia somewhere, and then I have a Metal Creek with another Metal Creek welding on it. So how many is a Lang and what's a Metal Creek? These are reverse flow smokers. These are these big barrel grills. You know, like these old propane tanks that they cut out. Then I got these uh, table style grills. That's like six foot table grills that you just straight barbecue. I got like three of those. Then I got one that you can run the propane on, one of those table grills. Then I have 
uh, a Southern Pride type box grill. And then I have uh, a Weber grill. And then I have another pig roaster. So these are just the ones I'm visualizing on my lot right now. Golly. So how many (laughs) locations do you have? So I have one physical location one that physical people location. can come to that's in Dumfries, gotcha. Virginia. It's open right now. It's open right now. 24 my, hours, okay. No, it ain't open 24 hours. I mean, not 24 hours, but no. it's, it's a, a st- static location. It's static location. You have location. employees that work there, things of that nature. And then I also go around and I do, I still do festivals and fairs. I do mm-hmm. pop-up. My, one of my models for people, and I teach this in the course too, I used to work with people and I used to say, let me increase your business with food. Because who doesn't like food? Right, yeah, I used to sure. te- teach sales models. I teach that in the branding and marketing mm-hmm. segment of the course. Like, gotcha. let me sh- even I'd give them the play on how I brought that. That first grill I brought, the big one was seventy five hundred dollars. Remember, I ain't had no money. Mm. Right, I gave people a play in the course on how to get that seventy five hundred to buy that first grill. To get on out What's there. What's the play? It's 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 a partnership. You don't want them to get the course. No, you want them to come right now. But they will. But people, you know. I probably give it to them, but they ain't gonna run the play. Well, let's just let, for the for the audience now. Let's talk about <laughs> the audience. Yeah. So what I did at the time because I had relationships in the mortgage business, I was doing home buyer seminars. I was just charismatic. I built a lot of relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Just fact. So I was gonna enter into. I entered into a barbecue contest. It was the uh, DC barbecue battle. Huge contest. Over five hundred thousand people come on Pennsylvania Avenue in front of the White House, ten blocks. What they changed that after the last president, and they oh, moved yeah. it down to the Capitol. But anyway, it was on. It was ten. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad because with chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to 200 dollars with spot me and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Blocks. On their website, they had a whole media's perspective profile. I took that profile for the media, what, their, what the stats is, how many visits and all that. I created my own marketing brochure. I said, I'm putting together a barbecue team like a NASCAR team. I was creating T-shirts. I was going to put everybody's logo. And I was creating a chef's table for people to come and experience a private chef for this competition barbecue because I'm entering the barbecue contest, right? And so now I went and I needed a title sponsor. So I had two. I, was gonna, I said I was going to do one title sponsor, $5,000. And I had $1,000 sponsorship, $500 sponsorships, right? Because you got to think outside the box. I didn't have the money. I ain't, mm-hmm. Look, I'm barely making two, $300 going to the barbershops, right? right? 
So now I put together a team. I said, all right, you on my barbecue team, you on my barbecue team. All right. Then I found a guy who does blog and was getting a lot of hit. I said, all right, you're my media sponsor. So you're going to write up, do a write-up. And I put this whole perspective package together. And then I played two of the banks, one I used to work for, and another was actually Navy Fed. And I was playing emails together. I said, yeah, this one is about to be my $5,000 sponsor. And I was, I'm giving y'all 10 tickets to sit around the chef's table. And I'm going to feed y'all gourmet barbecue right off the grill. Mm. One of the other companies I used to work for, they said, hey, come down here tomorrow to get this $5,000 check. Well, they, because how you do anything is how you do everything. They know my work ethic because I had work for them. So they mm. said, come on, come get this $5,000 check. I love it. I went and got the $5,000 check. I called the company. I said, yo, here's my deposit for the grill. Start building it. Because yeah. it's six week build time. Like they build these grills from scratch. Oh, right. Damn, so I put that down. So now I'm hustling. Some of the friends, family I knew, that's people afraid to ask. Like, you know, an offer you don't make is an offer they can't take. That's a fact. Right? So a closed mouth don't get fed. So I asked, yo, can I get uh, look, $100? I'm going to give you two tickets to come sit around and eat this food at this barbecue. Because it, it was a ticketed event. It cost $10. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm charging them $50. Come sit. I'm going to go buy some extra tickets and mm-hmm. be like, come be a sponsor. Come sit around. And I got to cook the food anyway. Yeah. So I think I raised like eight or nine thousand, enough to pay the grill, enough to do this, nice. and boom, I got my first reverse flow smoker off of that one play. That's Just dope. creating a sponsorship package off of event that I didn't even curate. It was an event that was already happened. Mm. I piggybacked my event off there. I curated my own event inside an event. I love it. That's dope, man. Being able to get paid off of something that you absolutely love to do. So how much is how much money is in this in this? Business, like not to be in your personal business, but I guess to be in your business, like you think about last it. Last year, I guess through the pandemic, what do you think you brought in? <laughs> Probably a little over four, about four hundred thousand, and uh, and and that was working three to four days a week. See, that's and, what I'm and saying. I, and I was doing, uh, I was doing. That's just off of the the, the barbecue business, mm. and that was uh, we was doing. <laughs> I started off just doing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Later on, that towards the end, I expanded to an extra day Thursday because people started asking. But I was only doing three days a week. That's what I'm saying, bro. You have once you have a clientele, they use it, they they eat it, but they have to they have to come back tomorrow. Yo, man, it's, well, it's some spots it, right here. Nobody so had much. nothing to do, so don't get it twisted. I I spent money, uh, Facebook, creating my bots, and, mm. and doing all that. That's the the. The marketing aspect, like people didn't know I was there until I had to show up. Right, but like, once they're there up, and they yeah. experience it, yeah. like there's some spots they didn't have to run no ads for me. I came across this joint. Okay, let me let me. Oh, yeah. I eat it. I'm there. Oh yeah, yeah. It was and I'm coming back. Yeah. That's how. That's really how I want to. Yeah, that's what, and then that like smoke. That. I'm the only one really out in in my area that you're gonna smell me from. Blocks and when you driving, it's funny. You smell it's funny. me, you I like that. Smell me. Can you smell what the wood is cooking? <laughs> right? I, it's all crazy stuff I say. And so I be, I be sitting there. I literally seen little cars drop over the medium because that smell hit that car. It'd be the funniest. I'd be like, yo, can you do that again? I want to record that. Because like, oh. <laughs> they didn't even know it was a medium there right, that right. they just really went and stretched and did that. So it'd be the funny that when that smell hits you, and yeah. you, sometimes I just like the grill and people smell the grill and they don't even know. Beyond, and it was funny because people would be out there seven, eight o'clock in the morning just because they smell the smoke thing. I just be like, "Y'all don't serve breakfast. Be open at twelve or eleven, whatever." Crazy. So tell me, so Happy Ice, it is a. Do you how do you describe? It? Up north, it's called Water Ice. I yeah. think uh, down south, it's called what? Like 
no, Italian they call it, ice. They call it water, yeah, they call it they call it Italian ice in like New Orleans. They call it like snowballs. Yeah. Well, well, snowballs is shaped ice. ice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but how did you introduce it to LA? Yeah. So so when I came out here, uh, we introduced it as a food truck. So mm-hmm. we opened up first as a food truck. It was hard. It was super hard, bro, to like f- get people to actually try the product. Because what when we were saying water ice, they didn't know what water ice was. Right. So, so it wasn't we, all food. It was like just strictly. It was water. strictly water ice. Yep. And so like it was harder to even try to get people to to try it. So me and my fiance today, Danielle, we was giving out hundreds of samples every day. We had like egg trays, like Easter egg trays, and put spoons on them with the flavors around. And we like just giving people uh samples. And then we they don't ain't, know what it they is. They don't know what it is. And so like even They'll walk by, we give them a sample. They walk back, we like try another flavor. We like just keep hitting it. <laughs> and that's how we that's how we started to get our revenue to go from the, like in the beginning. Just like really just giving out a ton of samples, bro. One store, two food trucks. Yeah. Right. So I, I gotta I gotta ask you like some numbers if you don't mind. You don't have to answer them. But you've been open here, what, two years? Yeah, I've been open at the storefront two years. Got you. And you've been running a food truck for five years. Five right? years. Yeah. Do you know what your revenue was year year one when you first come out here? You trying to introduce it? All right, I'm, I can tell you year one. Uh, but when we first started, uh, our our first food truck did about three hundred thousand first year. First year. Yeah, first year. Dang. Yeah. Yep. That's all right. Yeah, we right here on Melrose, bro. A lot of a lot of foot traffic. So it was like the foot traffic really helped us out because. I was an artist and I had decked out the truck like very artistic where people, whether they knew what it was or not, they was walking up and just like checking it out. And so between the foot traffic uh, and just us having a good product and word of mouth going around a certain amount of time, we really was doing good. It was our weekends here that really killed it with, you know, Melrose foot traffic. Yo, this is what he told me right before we got started. So out on the street, right, there's obviously there's meters, right? In L.A., you can have a food truck and just pull up to a meter, pay the meter, and you can sit there and just sell whatever you want. Exactly. That does not sound real. In Atlanta, yes. that's illegal. Yes. So here, <clears throat> here, you get an annual permit. The permit here is like $1,200 a year. That's it. So you get a permit and you can just... If it's Los Angeles County, pull up wherever a car can park and you good. Pay the meter. That's it. So if it's a concert, if it's... I don't know, a festival. If a car can park there, you could pull up and get busy. Get busy. That's crazy. Yep. You can pull up and get busy. Yo, for anybody that's watching this, <laughs> if you are stuck in your city and you know you got good food, you can come out here and get a bag regardless. Yeah. That's crazy. There's pull so up many, anywhere. Everywhere you where everywhere else you go, there's so many hoops to go through before you do so that. So many hoops, bro. Like even like Philly, you cannot do that. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's it's way the, the the rules is way way tighter. But here, man, like we just like we got a cult following. So like we post a location, we just pulling up at the curb. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And that's it. Everybody show up. We we serve that happiness, bro. Make piss smiles on everybody's face and we gone. You <laughs> get what I'm saying? That happiness. I like it. that. Year two. Do you remember the revenue? Year two for Happy Ice. Uh did you have one still operating one truck? Yeah, that was operating one truck. I think we jumped up to probably like a half a million that year. Yep. In a food truck. In a food truck. Yep. In one spot. One spot. We was actually two spots. We was coming here to Melrose and we was going down to Manchester Western. I think that's like the South Central area. Yep. Okay. 
We was there with, with a company called Blue Kitchen. Like we, we was turning it up. And then at that time, that's around the time when the uh, I had got the opportunity for this show that started coming. So we started- Black Ink. Yeah. Okay. So how long you been on the show? Um, we just had two seasons, but our first season aired like three years ago. So oh, gotcha. our second season just started coming out. So on well, your third year, no. Yeah, okay, it came the second year. Yeah. Do you think that was responsible for the jump? In, no, so so the Happy Ice already started booming right right before the the show came out. So I'm gonna share one last numbers, and that's that's probably all I can. <laughs> He's like, yo, get out my business. <laughs> but like right before right before the show came out, we was doing like sixty thousand a month with each truck. I was doing one twenty a month mm. with just with two trucks before the store even opened, and then the show came out, and it was like it boosted probably like another twenty percent. You know what I'm saying? Jeez. Yeah. You yeah. ain't playing out here. Yeah, and and so we we really smashed it like hard that year, and that was that was finally when I crossed the million dollars yeah. uh, annual, and then we just been doing more and more since then. Congratulations! Yeah, man. got it. So how did you build your business? So one of the key pillars of my one of the key pillars of my business is transparency. Okay. Right and. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So um, when I started, I just, I turned, as a matter of fact, I was on a morning meetup and I asked you a question mm -hmm. and I asked you to go and audit my social media page. Mm -hmm. And you're like, dude, you're not posting enough. You need to post once every single day. Yeah. And from that day on, I started posting once a day. And the word just got out there. I started off just, you know, hey guys, what's up? My name is Benatanga. I'm a stretch therapist. And, um, you know, if, you know, as time went along the way, uh, I hired a videographer and, you know, we just, we, 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 we put it out there. Right. Um, and then also I've invested in coaching and mentorship to, to learn how to actually market my business, sure. um, learn how to be an, an authority in the space. Yeah. And so, um, 90%, probably 80% of our business comes off of Instagram. Got it. Um, and then the other probably just off of word of mouth. Mostly women, I would imagine. Predominantly woman, okay, got about 70%. But like, so walk me through it. Say for instance, I want to get certified. I want to do stress therapy. Yeah. Day one. Yeah. What am I doing? I, I want you to teach me how to build a service-based business. How to build a service-based business. Yes. Okay. Any service. Any service. Okay. Give me the foundational so, principles of what you did though. Okay. So foundational principles. Number one, uh, so you already have your service, right? You know what you want to do. Yep. Number two, you got to find out who do you want to serve, mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of people be like, oh, you probably deal with a lot of athletes, right? Uh, not really, right? Like, you know, athlete schedules are kind of all over the place. 
So you got to find out exactly who you want to serve and find out what problem are they dealing with, right? right? And then position yourself as the only solution for them, right? Okay. So in my case, I knew that when I say things like store trauma and tension, right? Um, you know, people of a certain age group, let's say that 40, mid 40 to like 55 age group, mm-hmm. that's going to resonate with them, mm-hmm. right? Um, it means something to them. Store trauma. Oh, I lost somebody. Oh, I was in a car accident. Oh, my boss. Oh, my career. Oh, my husband. Whatever, mm-hmm. right? They, they associate that with store trauma, store stress, store tension. Um, and then we position ourselves as the expert, yeah. right? By just continuing to use those, those keywords and then by actually showing it. So most people, before they even get into my business, they know who I am. They know my entire staff. They know what it looks like. They know what the vibe is, right? And so it makes them just really, really comfortable with, with, with coming in. And that's another thing that like, you know, if you're trying to service-based business, you have to show what you do. You have to explain what you do. You have to talk about who it's for and why are you doing it? Right. Like people do business with the people that they know, like and trust. So over time, I've just gotten a lot of people to know me, like me and trust me. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to collect testimonials and stuff like that. And of course, having a very attractive and calming Zen space in my case helps out quite a bit. You got your own space, of course. Got my own space. Yeah. But you didn't start out that way. I didn't start out that way. No. Mm -mm. No. So how, how, how did you start? Just like pulling up on people like it's coming to the house. So, yeah. So, so, um, um, the first business I had got shut down during the pandemic. And after a few months of sitting around, I started doing mobile house calls. Mm. Um, and so I went on a website, I went on Thumbtack, yeah. which is like a, a gig sort of hire website. Right. And, um, I went on Thumbtack and I listed myself, um, as Dr. Deep Tissue. <laughs> Dr. Deep Tissue. So I listed okay. myself as Dr. Deep Tissue um, just because, you know, if someone was looking for some sort of deep tissue body work or anything like that, mm-hmm. like if they saw me, they'll associate like, okay, you know, that's the person that I need right there. Gotcha. And so I, I got booked up, man. I was doing, I was doing some, you know, some stretches, some households during the week, but on from Friday to Sunday, I'd be super booked up and I'd probably do two, three grand just from Friday to Sunday. And I just got, I got tired of running up and down the beltway and, you know, hauling my table um, and the demand grew. And so I, um, you know, I saved up some money and I went and got my space, my studio. Yeah. 